Last week, um, we had a couple of questions, um, and so I'm going to start with one and tonight, and that is, do you have a spiritual warfare view that is biblical? In other words, do you have a biblical worldview of spiritual warfare. Same thing in the context of my question. So Scott, yes, Scott has a biblical world view of spiritual <laughs> warfare. Anyone else? Can't have just one question. Here. There's twenty of us in the room. Here I get one. Be prepared for somebody. Else. We're waiting for the person to stand. Yeah. I am so sorry. <laughs> I thought I wasn't that black and you could see through me. So I'm going to ask the question again. It's an important question. Do you have a biblical worldview of spiritual warfare? I'll say I think I do. Okay, there's an I think and there's an I do. Anybody else? I think. Okay, Wes, you think you have a biblical worldview? What would it take to determine whether or not you have a biblical worldview or just a worldview, or a combination. Okay, is it possible to have, as a believer, is it possible for you to be in this room tonight and have a combined (coughs) biblical and worldview? Not a biblical worldview, but a combination of the two, based on what you... On where you are tonight, where you where you sit, what you know, is that possible? Okay. Would you concur? Yeah. Yeah. Of course it is. Of course it is. Because we get information from a lot of sources, don't we? And we can we can we can commingle the the, the sources of information that we get very inadvertently if we're not careful. And so what we have to do is we have to remember that this is a pretty serious subject matter that we looked at last week from a quote from C.S. Lewis that said that the danger is that we either put way too much or way too little emphasis on this topic. And another question really is that depending on which group you're in, are you in the way too much group or are you in the way too little group? Are you thinking about that? Hi, Mark. Are you in the way too much group? Okay, show him. Who puts way too much emphasis on on, uh, on on spiritual battles in your life? It's just your obsession. That's what I thought. The next question, though, think about this. Who of you put way too little? You don't really give it that much thought, frankly. <coughs> Ah. See, and, and that's good to know. That's good to know. Because I think that that is clearly the majority, and that's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, for most people, it's just we put way too little, and then we wonder why we struggle. And so we're going to be looking at that tonight. We have these six basic biblical truths about spiritual warfare uh, that were on the handout last week, not this week. But, um, and they are that there is an invisible world, right? And that believers, everybody in this room, you're involved because there is an invisible world in an invisible war. 
whether you like it or not. You believe that? That is a biblical truth. So from a biblical worldview, those are the two things we're going to look at tonight, by the way. We're going to look at that invisible world. What is it? What does it look like? How does it manifest itself? And we're going to take a look at, at the invisible war that we're in. There's, there's a war out there. <laughs> Guys, there's a war out there. And so we also have um, a third uh, basic biblical truth uh, that we have a very formidable enemy in this war. He is a formidable enemy. And that we have to respect him, but not no fear. There is no... He is defeated. That's right. He has very limited power. He is, he is very limited. There is no reason to fear the enemy of this spiritual war that we are in. We can do it without fear. And we can do that even though, number five, that the war is won, but the battles rage on. And we're going to look at what that, what is a battle? What is a spiritual battle versus a spiritual war? How does that manifest in yourself, in your life? How, what, how do you deal with that? It's all around us. And we have to get a biblical worldview on these things in order to effectively understand what Ephesians teaches us about putting on the full armor. Armor. Why would we put on the full armor if we don't even know what the war is? We need to know what the war is. We need to understand these things. And last week we took a look at that question because I'm thinking that everybody in the room last week said that they struggle with stuff. Right? That was pretty common. There wasn't. There was nobody uh, that was uh, that was in a position where they realized that they didn't have any struggles because we all struggle, don't we? Why? Okay. Sin because we try to do it on our own. Because the enemy is after us. Because the enemy is after us. It's a fascinating thing because from a biblical worldview, we have to, and we looked at this last week, and we're going to look at it again. It's the first one on your handout. We have to look at John 10.10. 10. So turn to John 10.10. 10. Because really what we have to understand is that we're in a war, and there will be battles, and we are going to struggle. But we have to ask ourselves some hard questions about this struggle that we're in. And in John 10.10, 10, we're given two very compelling and contrasting biblical truths about the spiritual warfare that we're in. Would anybody like to read John 10.10? 10? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that. Have it to the full. In the, in the New King James it says, and have it more abundantly. That word, that, there too. <laughs> that word is that, yes. But, but so Jesus came. So we see why the enemy came. We see the enemy's job here, don't we? We see his modus, his modus operandi. Why did the enemy come? That's hard to say fast, isn't it? Still, steal, steal, kill. And they shouldn't have put those two words together. That's hard to say. To steal, kill, and destroy. Do you see the word picture here about the enemy that we are fighting in this battle? Who wants to do what to you and me? Destroy. Uh, that's a 
powerful word. He, he wants to destroy. But yet in the exact same um, verse, we see that this is Jesus speaking here. What did Jesus say was one of the reasons that he came? Yeah, there's a number of reasons that Jesus say that he came. To seek and save the lost. We know that one, don't we? Praise God for that. Amen? To seek and to save the lost. Each of us was in that condition. Lost, weren't we? And so he came to seek and save us. So it's a salvation issue. You see, that's where the victory comes. Because we can fight the war. We can fight each one of the battles from a position of victory. Okay? That's why there's no fear. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have trouble because Jesus also said in this life you're going to have trouble. So we're trying to reconcile these things to understand why is the stuff of life making me crazy? Why does that happen? What's going on? And so we see that Jesus wants us to live this life of abundance. That's awesome. So why wouldn't we just want to live a life in abundance but what does he mean by that? Abundance. For some of us, I think the question is, an abundance of what? A full life. An abundance of a full life. What, is, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> he gives us 100% of everything we need for life and godliness. Okay, that's good. But, so, but for some people, the question really is, is an abundance... Of what? Is it? Of what? Well, I, I think that, I mean, if you look at the way it's worded, at least in this, it says, I have come that they may have life. So it's not a life or the life or your life or it is life. And I think in Scripture, that means Jesus. Okay. He is the life. Okay. I am, what do you say? The way, the, the truth, and the life. Okay, it all he is the life. He so is the life. Well, we're getting an abundance as him. We're getting an abundance of Jesus. You see, there is a spiritual connotation to all of this because we have a fullness, an abundance of Jesus. Now, you know, the health and wealth people would say that, that this would tell you that, boy, you're going to have a, you know, a Rolls Royce in the garage and a, a Trump-like... Million-dollar house. Yes, Okay. It couldn't be further from the truth. That couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus came so that we would have him to the fullest. Yes. Him to the fullest. I have a question. Where it says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, kill and destroy basically the same thing. Is it different in the Greek? Well, that's a good question. I did not... No, I, didn't, I did not look at the words uh, in... In the Greek, um, so I can't I can't answer that question off the top of my head. I just I don't know. Right. I don't know. Might mean to like tear down a building. We we kill would be to actually kill somebody. Remember that. Remember all of this denotes the spirit. There is a spiritual war that is going on here. Okay, because we're in the there is the flesh and there is the spirit. Amen. And we're going to see this as we as we begin to start to peel the layers back of this spiritual warfare, the battles that we're all in, the stuff that happened maybe in your life today. Something might have happened 
that you might have just kind of blown off and thinking that it was, oh, just coincidence or whatever. And we have to really have an understanding of what this spiritual war is and what the battles look like if we're going to be able to have life abundantly. Right? So we, we looked last week quickly at that word struggle and we found out that it really means in the Greek hand-to-hand combat. It's the same root word that we get the word wrestling from. So I like that word picture. So when you say you're struggling, it means you're wrestling with something. It means that there's hand-to-hand combat that's going on. And so the, the people in, in the first century when this was written would have understood, we could paraphrase it by saying that that I'm really in hand-to-hand combat with something that is pinning me down and I can't get up. So the question is, why do we struggle? And what is the struggle or who is the struggle with? seems like the more you, the more you try and seek the truth with, and try and get into the Word, the harder Satan Oh, amen. Isn't that, anybody have that experience? Yeah. And why is that? Do you suppose? He doesn't. He wants to defeat you. He wants to try and stumble, make make you stumble. But if you if you focus on the word, it won't happen. Yeah, because he wants to steal that life away from you. Yeah, An abundant life in Christ. He wants to steal it. Steal your eternal happiness. Yeah. Absolutely. the joy, Everything that Christ has given us for life and godliness, we've been giving all of that. You see, he wants to steal it. He wants to destroy you. Okay? And when you're active, when you're active in the Word, when you are active in serving, when you are active in any capacity whatsoever, watch out because that's when the, I mean, the devil is really unhappy tonight with all of y'all because we're here. He could care less about the ones that are out smoking dope tonight. He doesn't care. He's already got those guys. That's right. They're right where he wants them. So, the question is still, so why do we struggle and who is the struggle with? Turn to Ephesians again, because we have to start with this this Ephesians. Every week we have to start with Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, Scotty doesn't even have to read it. So, the struggle is with the powers of the dark world. Let's read all of Ephesians six twelve. Anyone who would like to. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The struggle, then, is against whom? Or what? Sounds like there's a lot. A lot that it's against, or a lot of struggles. No, it sounds like there's it's against authority, powers, spiritual forces of evil, rulers. I mean, it sounds like there's a a hierarchy, and it sounds like there's a lot there to struggle with. Yes, isn't that amazing? Because what we see in this one verse is we see what the struggle is against, and there is 
a hierarchy of some kind. But this is the only place in Scripture that we're, that we're told that there is potentially some kind of a hierarchy because we're not told in any detail anywhere else. But it is certainly alluded to here, isn't it? So it's, it's alluded to, uh, like we know that God is a God of order. We know that. We're told that very specifically in Scripture. Here, we're seeing that the evil things, the things that are evil, in the, even in the heavenly realms, and in, because the heavens, remember now, we have to, if we're really going to study that, you know, we have to go through these, these, these heavens, because biblically speaking, we know that part of it is right here around us, right? Okay, so having said that, right here, in this quote-unquote heavenly realm that we have this this there's this dark world and there's these spiritual forces of, of evil and there's a hierarchy it's like planned it's organized and and we're not told but th- doesn't it make you kind of think that satan is satan is not haphazard he's pretty organized about what he's doing here he's had a long time to think through and perfect and with all of his minions his demons the angels that fell with him They've had a long time to get organized to go after you and I. Hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. And he's really organized. And one of the things he knows is he's done. You see, he's defeated. But until that actual time comes, God's time, not ours. Oh, he's going to have a field day, isn't he? He's going to have a field day. So now, before we go blaming all of these problems and all these struggles and all these wrestling matches that we have on the devil, what is another cause of these struggles that we have in our lives? <coughs> Pardon me? Our own flesh. Our own flesh. Another thing you've got to remember, the devil is not omnipresent. Mm-hmm. He has his minions all over mm-hmm. and his work for him. So he does. We didn't have a hold of him to make me do it. Well, did he or did one of his minions make you do it? Or, you know, was it your own choice to do it? Personal choice. We have a responsibility to take appropriate action with our thoughts, our deeds, everything about uh, about our life. We're personally responsible. You cannot say biblically, if you have a biblical worldview, you cannot say, "Oh, the devil made me do it." No, biblically, that does not hold up. No, you made you do it, maybe. Now, maybe you were tempted by the devil to do it, but you had the opportunity to make the choice. I'm either going to do it or I'm not. How many have failed in an area where you have been tempted? <laughs> it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah today. <laughs> but, but you see... But you see, that's, that's, a, that's a separate issue. That's a sin issue. And what we're talking about here is we're talking about these spiritual battles. Now, is Satan involved in that particular form of spiritual battle? Yeah. yeah. And we see that in Scripture. We're not going to go there tonight, but we will later. We see that in Scripture because who did Jesus have an encounter with in terms of temptation? Yeah. Is that the same Satan that tempts you and me? Yeah. 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 Biblical world view that becomes pretty important. So we have to make sure that we understand that the devil doesn't make us do it. So the cause is pretty clear, isn't it? The cause of the struggles that we have are pretty clear. Pretty much, for the most part, 
it falls into two categories if you're going to look at this from a biblical worldview. Number one, you either have to take personal responsibility for the things that you say they can do, and it has nothing to do with a spiritual battle. It just has to do with the fact that y'all made the choice. Or, there is a real battle that is going on, and it is against the authorities, the powers, the rulers, this hierarchy in the devil's scheme in the spiritual realms. So that's what we know. How then do these spiritual battles manifest themselves all around us? What do you what can you point to? What do you see every day where there's this spiritual battle that's going on around us and, and where do you see that generally? I was thinking about this yesterday. I was sitting in my chair and I was reading this paper and I thought, it's yesterday's paper and it says five shootings leave three dead. And I thought, it just went kawam! Five shootings leave three dead. This is in Oxnard and Santa Paul. You might have read this in the, uh, in, in the paper. And I read down, and the, and the next uh, big headline is, Ojai holds vigil for victims in Orlando. <laughs> Community calls for solidarity and end to violence. <laughs> and the next page, there's an article about a time to love and forgive, which is an article about these people that were trying to come together in a and, and pray for forgiveness for for the fellow that shot all those people at that Episcopal Methodist Church, the Black Church in the South, on a Wednesday night Bible study yeah. in the paper yesterday. Mm-hmm. Spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. murder in a church. Um, and I'm just going through. This is just the A section of the newspaper. <laughs> <coughs> I, you know, it's a local Ventura paper here. Ex-Senator Calderon pleads guilty to taking bribes for supporting legislation. And woman detained over rape report released in Qatar because uh, it's under Sharia law. And so she accused somebody of raping her. And they arrested her for the accusation of men uh, raping this woman under Sharia Lost. And I'm just reading the newspapers, all I'm doing. And then I got to the opinion page, which is on the back section of the newspaper, <laughs> that talks about together we can fight against the evil that we saw in Orlando. Together we can fight. And then I read this at the bottom, and I just thought, oh, this guy needs to come to Wednesday night Bible study and spiritual warfare because the editorial written in the Ventura paper on Tuesday the 14th, he says that we we cannot do in the wake of Orlando, what we cannot do in the wake of Orlando is once again stand on the sidelines. We all must be willing to stand and oppose hate speech. We all must be willing to report indications of terrorist activity or affiliation. 
we must all be willing to support changes in gun laws to take another step towards preventing a future Orlando. That all makes sense to me. Until he says, and we can stand together to do this. Can we? No. Can we do this? He's not talking about it. <laughs> so the, here's the problem. We're in spiritual warfare and the newspaper is filled with the manifestations of what's going on in the spiritual realms because it's all rooted in this evil that the scripture says is the cause of all of this. And we have people in the secular realms that are saying that if we just come together and if we just come together and if we do the right thing, which is all good to do the right thing, there's nothing that the editorial said that isn't a good thing. Except when he said that if we just do this, we can fix it. We can fix it. And doesn't that just break your heart when you realize that, no, it's not fixable? It just throws in the wrong source. <clears throat> we cannot come together in our power and fix any of that. You cannot fight the spiritual battles in your life on your own. It's not possible if you have a biblical worldview. Where do you generally start when something is making you crazy? Or is an obstacle? Or is a problem that you're trying to work through? What's your initial reaction when something comes up? Oh, there they go again. Oh, there they go again. <laughs> I can take care of this. Reactionary. I can, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this, you know. Mark drives me nuts. I'm just not going to talk to him. I'm just, this week, I'm, he's out of my life this week. You know, so in our strength, what we do is we got this problem that comes up. It's usually a relational thing, isn't it? Like 98% of all problems in life are relationally caused, aren't they? It's my wife. Mostly it's me. But <laughs> I almost made a mistake. I almost made a mistake. There, didn't I? But, but that's where it comes from. So when we turn to Ephesians 6 and we let these three verses that Joanne read guide our thinking in the area of spiritual warfare, you see, because um, we have to be strong in, in whose mighty power? It's not our mighty power. Let that guide your thinking. Stop trying to fix these issues by yourself. Because that's where you start. If I did a survey, I'll bet you 80% of the garbage that's going on in your life that's a causing you difficulty and aggravation, you, you didn't even pray about it probably. You just went and you said, I don't think I own AT&T. Right? Okay. It happens, doesn't it? All right. So you can throw AT&T, Time Warner, okay, any of the people that you have to call India to get your problem solved, or the problem that you have with me because I said something that hurt your feelings. Oh. No, I'm just using that. Example. I hope I didn't. It's a hypothetical example. But, but it could be real. It, it could be real. Okay? So we <coughs> spiritual warfare cannot be fought in your strength. It's impossible. 
It's impossible. And if you are wrestling with something and you are struggling with something, ask yourself the question immediately. What is the source and where am I starting from to deal with it? Because where should you start? First and foremost. Prayer. Prayer. Okay. Before you call India. No, it's funny you say that because that that whole week it was so hard and the first thing I thought of the next week was last week was such a struggle and I never even I don't normally use that word (laughs) (laughs) and so there it is give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile where do you think some of these things came from Basic biblical truth number one. There is an invisible world. Do you believe that? Everybody? 100%. Outstanding. How do you know that to be true? Because they just told us there was. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It is written, Scott says. Okay. It is written. Have you had any direct experience with this invisible world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I have a one. Oh, yeah. Anyone else? Before I was born. (laughs) Direct experience with the invisible world. Have you had any experience with that? Mm -hmm. I would say probably yes, whether you realize it or not. Okay, yes, whether you realize it or not. Absolutely yes. yes, Okay, before you give me an example, anybody? I see one head (laughs) showing us doing this. Okay. Brenda. Oh, yeah, Brenda has had it. Okay. (coughs) Almost every day. Almost every day. Okay, perfect. Because... I would submit to you that biblically, from a biblical worldview, we're going to look at scriptures tonight, and I have a whole bunch of them on your list there tonight, that every single person in this room is dealing with the invisible world every day. But it's invisible. But it's invisible. It's another dimension. So how do you know? Because it is written. Okay. You see, because I'm glad you all believe that. Because if you didn't believe that there was an invisible world, then you would be denying the authority of Scripture. Which I know that you don't. If we didn't believe in the invisible world, we wouldn't be here tonight. If you didn't believe in the invisible world, we probably wouldn't be here tonight. That's right. So how does the invisible world then manifest itself, not this way, in your life. Think about today or this week. How has the invisible world impacted you recently? Well, I'm going to tell you how it has since you're not very forthcoming. (laughs) Maybe you haven't thought about it this way. I've been putting a lot of thought into this of late. How about your entertainment? 
thinking because this group is the average age is uh, still quite young. (laughs) 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 But but you are of the age where you remember toys that you had when you were younger and one, when I mention this one, you'll get it right away because I had one and I played with it and it was called a Ouija board. Okay. Now, what do you know about... We would entertain ourselves with a Ouija board. You, ever, you know what a Ouija yeah. board is? Yeah. It's a little board. It's got these letters and all that stuff. And it has this little thingamabob. What do they call it? Thing? Yeah. Thingamabob. A little thingamabob. <laughs> and you put your hands on it and you ask these questions and it scoots around the room and it's great fun. No, you should never do a what? A shuttle. A shuttle? I thought I took that to LAX. But I'll call it a shuttle yeah. if that's what you want to call it. Okay, so you have this shuttle, whatever it is, and you put your hands on the Ouija board and it's a toy, right? Yeah, you should never use Oh, no, you should never use one. Well, this comes from someone who did. Okay, it's interesting because I just did a little research because I like doing this kind of stuff when I happen to have a computer. I don't have a Ouija board. Uh, have you ever read the rules of how a Ouija board works? I don't remember this from when I was a kid. I was young. Never used it, sorry. Yeah. So the Ouija board mm-hmm. rule, there are specific rules. Make sure you push it for the answer. Stop about this for a second. Because the Ouija board says that you should never do it by yourself. Never, never use the Ouija board by yourself. Um, it says that, that you, have to, you have to both get into a Ouija board session and out of it in the right way. Uh, there, are, there are spirits that come in and through the board. Okay? Um, and that, um, that you, you can never utilize the Ouija board if you think it's just a game or a toy. That's one of the rules. And that, uh, that you, there are several things that you, you should never, by rule, ask the Ouija board. One of them is asking any questions about God. <laughs> they sell this. You can buy it on Amazon today. I will. Well, Milton Bradley put it out. Hasbro. Well, Mike is Milton Bradley. Well, maybe they got bought by Hasbro. But you can buy one on Amazon today for 22 bucks. It's a Hasbro toy, and you can play with this Ouija board. Uh, and is there a spiritual component to what's going on with that toy? Yeah. Without a doubt. But that's an obvious one. What about ones that hit a little closer to home? Generationally speaking, who grew up with a TV? (laughs) Anybody watch? The fun show was really great. A cute little girl. And it was Bewitched. Anybody ever watch that one? Oh, yeah. That was a 60s thing, wasn't it? We used to watch Bewitched all the time. Later one, I've never seen this one, but I knew people that did. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Is that one? Okay. How about the X Files? Yeah. How about Lincoln the Vampire Slayer? Mm. Yeah. Even Lincoln. Yeah, I I rent hangar space to the director of of the X Files and have an X Files <laughs> pinball machine and and.
solve some problem for the dead person and then you go towards the light. It goes on and on and on. Do you think about that? Do no, you don't think about it. Do you think about it? No, you don't think about it too much. You don't think about it too much. But it gets worse. It gets worse. This is going to hit really close to home for some. Video games. You play video games? Do your kids play video games? Do your grandkids play video games? Do your great-grandkids play video games? Did you know that a, a significant number of video games played have a real dark side? And there are... There are there's an underworld and there are there are demons and there I mean there's all this stuff that's going on in these video games and it's it's but it's all fantasy, isn't it? Is it all fantasy? They're based the demons are usually based on actual oh, Okay. Okay. But isn't it fantasy? Isn't that video game just fantasy? And the X Files and the Vampire Slayer <coughs> and and all that stuff is fantasy? Oh, okay. Yeah, mostly it's fantasy. But what are the implications? In the context of a biblical worldview of spiritual warfare, what are the implications that we don't think about because we've become so numb to it? What? <coughs> are the spiritual implications as you allow that into your life. Getting sucked into whatever it is that the game or the TV show or whatever is okay. promoting. Okay, perfect. And what then, getting sucked in, what then is the source? What is the source for all of these things that we just agreed is mostly fantasy? That's not the source. That's 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 what we see there. But what's the source of all of this? Excuse me. Satan. Satan. I don't say Hollywood because the authorities, the powers, the spiritual forces of evil. You see, if you're going to have a biblical worldview. And if you are going to address the struggles that you have in your individual life, and you are going to just blow off as casual and cavalier something as simple. This is one small area. Simple as these kinds of activities in your life. Watch out. Because it seems pretty innocent, doesn't it? Until you get to that place where you watch TV and then you see the the, the, the television show that's on right now. You can watch it. I don't know when it's on because I don't watch it. Um, but I know somebody who does. And it's called The Long Island Medium. Have you seen that one? This is a lady that lives on Long Island and she's a medium. And so the whole premise of the show, her name is Teresa Caputo. And her whole premise is, is that she can speak for you to people that you know that are dead. And she can speak to them. You can sit in her, in her office or her kitchen or wherever you want to sit with her. And she calls these dead people up 
And without you being able to hear them or see them or anything else, she's having a conversation with them silently and telling you what they're saying. Can this be true? <laughs> can it be true? Yeah. Can it be true? Yes, it can. No, yes, yes. Yes, it can because the witch of Endor. Yes. She was a charlatan, but when God allowed it to happen. If you are going to have a biblical worldview, the answer to that biblically we will see tonight is emphatically yes. It can happen. <coughs> Does it happen every time? No. Are these programs I'm talking about fantasy mostly? Yes. Are the implications way more serious than anybody in this room has ever given much consideration to? Yes. And you wonder why you say, I'm really struggling. Huh? Really something to think about, isn't it? How much do we let the evil one into our life without even knowing it? And then complain about the struggles we're having that are rooted in evil and the evil one is working on us and we're the ones that have let him in. How much? Now, I'm not going to go to the palm reader down here on the on Avenue by the new wine place I, because I think it's all crazy. And I'm not going to play the Ouija board. Personally, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not much of a movie guy, and I don't watch these kinds of programs on TV. Um, and frankly, it's not because I think they're so horrible, uh, fantasy-wise. Uh, I, I just don't like that kind. Of, I just I don't I can't sit still for 30 minutes and watch one of those programs. <laughs> they, don't, they don't interest me. But if you did, what are the implications? See, we got to think about that from the biblical worldview. Lois has a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I I was. Uh thinking about this um, Harry Potter. Same thing. Well, yeah, I see, you know, how you deal with this, because my kids are coming, you know, and they want to go to Lost Towns and Universal Studios where this big Harry Potter thing is. Uh -huh. And, uh, I mean, they don't see anything wrong with it. Of course not. Yeah, so I'm struggling with what am I going to do when they come and they want to go. Mm. Am I going to stay home? What did you say you were doing with it? You were. Well, my. my you were, no, no. What was the word you? What was the word you used? Struggling. I'm struggling with it. Yeah. It's a struggle, isn't it? Well, isn't yeah, it? I want to be with them. And yeah. I want to go there. And yeah. They don't see anything innocent, and I really have. I've never read Harry Potter, and I don't really know. It's just what I've heard about other people. Some Christians saying it's not a good thing, and so. Uh, we have to have a biblical worldview. And I love the C.S. Lewis quote that we start with all the time. Because it says some people put way too much emphasis on it over here. And then you're really burdened by it because you put way too much. The people in this room tonight, however, are in the other camp, I would suggest to you. We put way too little in it. And there have been implications in your life and mine because we have not considered how we have opened ourselves up to be vulnerable to spiritual attack because we were even willing to read Harry Potter. We were even willing to watch the Long Island medium as she's talking to dead people that we scratch our, say, we scratch our head and say, Mah. but there are implications. 
by even allowing that in. We, you, it can be music, it can be entertainment, it can be, it, it's all around. 100% of the time, Brenda said almost every day. Mm-hmm. I, I would suggest, Brenda, that it's, it's, it's more than almost every day, because just based on what we know right now, it's every day. It's every day, it's all around us, 100% of the time. So we have these choices to make, don't we? We have to think our way through that, don't we? Because the negative implications are to whom? I'll pull Richie on you now. Take your finger. <laughs> that's, that's what the, that, the implications are serious. You can't be cavalier about it because you can't say, oh, I'm really struggling with this. And you're allowing all this other garbage in the front door. What do we expect? Okay. You kind of have to know your answer to that Harry Potter question before they come to ask. Because I raised four sons, and they never saw any of them. But there wasn't a question. They knew before. They knew not to ask. They knew. Every situation is unique. Yeah. So you handled it that way, and so you know, Lois, you've got to, You're you're working through that. And what are you going to do? What's the first thing that you should do? To start working through that well, struggle. Yeah, praying about what God would have me do. Bingo. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Pray, 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 pray. And when you're done doing that, pray some more. Yeah. Because because that's the first line of defense is to seek the Lord. Amen. You see, this fantasy thing is way more than just fantasy. Because I believe that the invisible world that is talked about in Ephesians. Six, twelve are represented in these things because that's the root. But they weren't afraid to ask. All of their friends were also Christians, and so they—that's just the way that they were kind of brought up. Yeah, yeah. But some people don't know there are other people that aren't aren't believers, and the people that aren't believers uh, would have no. No, no, yeah, they have no issue with that. A Ouija board or a Harry Potter book or movie or any of these other kinds of things is, a, is of no consequence. Who is the consequence to? You. And, and, and who is it that is prompting you to have this, this, this struggle? The reason that you're having the struggle is because you know the difference kind of like sin. I mean, you're a sinner. But I don't know if it's so much a struggle because I really don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't want to see it. You know, I, I like to be with them and I'm, I'm just, but I'll see what the Lord mm-hmm. going to do. When These are the, the interesting dilemmas that we, that we're, um, that we have the opportunity to address in our lives. Isn't yeah, it? you know, staying home will probably you would give me an opportunity to tell them why I don't want to go. You know, and they never ask my opinion. So uh, salt. So and when they are going, I'll just have to give them why I don't want to do it. Well, the one thing that I know for a fact is, is that we must be convinced that there is an invisible world and everybody in this room is in that, in that position. We, we must believe that because you can't go forward in a study of spiritual warfare unless you realize that there is, there is something going on in and around us 100% of the time, all the time. 
And that's the struggle. The wrestling match that we're in is caused, the root cause is Ephesians 6 that says that we are in a spiritual battle with 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 the devil with with these things with these forces with these with these spirits I will call them in the spiritual realms okay that are invisible we can't see them but they're around us now today at this moment I think the main selling point for all of these videos and all this stuff is that you've got you know you've got the power within you to defeat the enemy you don't need you don't need anybody else or anything else so therefore, you're pushing away, of course, God. Yeah. But I mean, you you can do it. You don't. You know, you've got the power. You know, don't, you know it empowers you. Amen. So, you know, Everything you need. Every time you level or whatever, you've got more power. And and the, the, we've been given all the power that we need because it's a, what does Ephesians six say? Back to what what Ephesians six. 10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and whose mighty power? His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. All of this stuff has to do with the devil's schemes. He is scheming against you and I as we sit here in this moment. A hundred percent of the time that you are at church, the devil is scheming about what to do to you and to me. Because he's displeased. And yet we have we can stand firm in God's power. There's nothing to be afraid of. Because he can't enter unless we let him. So leave here tonight and go home and turn on the X-Files. And get your Ouija board out. And read Harry Potter. See what happens. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't tempt I wouldn't I wouldn't tempt it like that. But you get the point, don't you? Yeah. You get the point. So I think that we have to take a look at this from a biblical worldview, right? Is that seared into our heads? <laughs> we must look at this from a biblical worldview. And by the way, by way of commentary, if you're going to take a look at this from a biblical worldview, um, uh, you know, where do you start in the Bible for really being able to understand things from a biblical worldview? Where, where do you, where do we where do we start? In the beginning. In the beginning. <laughs> Genesis. Okay. You see, we all get caught up in the things that we think that we can relate more to the New Testament, this new covenant in Christ, right? Except the problem is, is that that's only half of the Bible, and so if we're not completely familiar with, over time, it takes a lot of time. We've got to understand the Old Testament and even to get a handle on what. Why Jesus even came, right? And so it's 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 inclusive. We got to start in Genesis. So we're gonna, having said that as a commentary, what we have to do is is don't just read the New Testament all the time. You know, I have a, I have a friend, Doctor Rhodes, who who is uh, uh, you know talk about a guy who's pendulum this swung. I mean, he's fanatical about this. And, and this guy, you know, he teaches Bible studies at his house on Sunday nights in in Capsular, Kenya. And the guy he prepares. And then he comes to this Bible study, and it's about an hour and a half long. And he's an unbelievable teacher. And he's a, you know, he's a surgeon. That's what he does for, you know, he's a missionary surgeon. But he sits down, and uh, and, and this this man is, is gifted, and he is anointed. He sits down for an hour and a half and does a Bible study with eight or ten people in his living room in Kenya. And he never opens his Bible, and he never looks at a note, and he will quote scripture for an hour and a half. He never has a note. I, I don't know how to do that. 
<laughs> I type all of my notes. I, I start a couple of days before Wednesday. I start getting it all organized. I, I, I have to. I just, I just do that. And uh, it, it's amazing. And he always teaches out of the Old Testament. Hmm. Not afraid of the New Testament, but his preference is to start with the Old because he says so many other people are teaching the New Testament. He says, I need to make sure that you all are understanding Old Testament theology because it makes the New Testament come alive. It'll make it come alive. It's like, I think, going to... Wouldn't you say that about even going to Israel? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm anxious to have that experience, hopefully, next year. Hopefully, next year, we can, we can go as a, as a group because I, I, I would love my Bible to become more alive than it already is. And I think being there makes that happen. That's, That's what I've been told. Yep. That's what I've been told. So we've got to start in the Old Testament and we have to take a look at this invisible world and we have to understand that everybody in this room is solid that there is an invisible world. But how has it manifested <coughs> itself biblically, scripturally? Obviously, in more than one place, right? Let's take a look at 2 Kings chapter 6. You'll find 2 Kings. It's really easy to find. It's right after 1 Kings. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in the towards the front of the Old Testament, there, somewhere. Let me see, all you Sunday schoolers, let me see Genesis, Exodus, and Kings. I, I get lost after Leviticus, or lost in Leviticus. I'm not sure where it is. So we have to understand this, and we're laying a lot of groundwork. You know, we're going to take about three weeks to lay groundwork because then this warfare and these battles are going to become very personal to us. Really, starting next week, you're going to start start seeing how it becomes very personal. This formidable foe that we're dealing with—it's not abstract at all. It's personal. So we have to take a look at this invisible world and understand it. And we have our first great picture in Second Kings chapter six, starting in verse eight. And I'll just read it if you don't mind. Starting in verse 8, 2 Kings chapter 6. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing by that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. Keep following here. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Huh? <laughs> Verse 13. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. So what's going on here? We have this king. Is he a good guy or not? He's not a good guy. Okay. I think he's one of the evils that that Ephesians 6 is talking about. He's evil. 
And so, what does he want to do? Destroy Israel. But before that, what specifically he wanted to do, because you read farther along, in these verses here, what is his intent here? To destroy the prophet. To, to he wants to kill Elisha. Why? Because it was dangerous. Shut up. Yeah, this is like King's enemy number one. Elisha's figuring out what he's saying and what he's doing and where he's going, and then and he's When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an <coughs> army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And here's old Elisha, good old Elisha. <coughs> Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet said. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. No. I think we got to check this out because this guy is Elisha's right-hand man, right? And and he wakes up and he looks out and he's he's probably like a deer in headlights because they're in the city of Dothan and all he sees is an army. Now, he's not stupid. He knows that his boss is laying there in bed still and they came to kill him. Okay. So he's kind of freaked out. And he goes and he says, he says, I think we're in a heap of trouble here, boss. <laughs> we, got, we got a problem right here in River City. Or, or Dothan. And so, so, so he's panicked. But how does Elisha respond? How does he respond? Because presumably Elisha looked out the window and looked around. And there, there may have been thousands for all we know. We don't know how big the army was. It was big enough that it surrounded the entire city. That gives us an idea. There was a lot of guys on horses and chariots. But he says something really strange. He already knows he has God's army. But what did he tell his, what did he tell his servant, his right-hand man? Don't be afraid. Yeah, don't, don't be, be afraid. afraid. Those are with us that are more than them. He just asked for God's help and advice that he could actually. So we see that he must have been thinking that when Elijah said that we got more with us than they got with them, remember they were in Dothan. That was, they didn't have an army. It was the two of them. And he said, there's more of us than there is of them. This guy must have thought Elijah had fallen on his head. I mean, seriously, what are you talking about, man? He's scared to death because, he, what is he thinking? He's not thinking about the spiritual realms. He's thinking, I'm dead. It's the same thing that we think about when we've got a spiritual problem and we try to attack it ourselves. How am I, I got is there a bomb shelter? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? What am I, 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 I? And Elijah says, dude, chill out. There's more of us than there is of them. That seems really bizarre to me. 
Because we know that Elijah hadn't lost his mind. We're, we're sure of that. And so we keep reading verse 17. And Elijah prayed. <laughs> right, Lois? He just prayed. He said, Open his eyes, Lord, his being his servants. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, there's an invisible world. And Elijah knew that there was an army that was way bigger than the king's army that came to destroy them. And Elijah saw that army in the invisible world and prayed so that his servant could be... There's a lot of reasons, I believe. But he prayed that his servant would see what was invisible and what happened. Verse 18. As the enemy came down toward them, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Elijah told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. All of a sudden, not only in the moment and for a moment, did the servant see that army of God that was a huge army. He must have gone... Cool. <laughs> Praise God, right? I mean, I'm thinking this guy is praising God. He's probably feeling pretty good about Elijah too. But he's praising God, and all of a sudden, he realizes that they're fine. And the army came down to attack them, and Elijah prays to blind the army. Now, did he blind them physically? Did God blind this army physically? Let's keep reading. Verse 20. After they entered this city, Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, here they are. Here they are. Spiritually blinded, not physically, because they came down to get Elijah. But when they saw Elijah, they didn't recognize him. And Elijah said, hey, follow me. And I'm going to take you where, where it is you really want to go. And they're all excited. And there's God's army all around them, invisibly. These people can't see God's army. But what did Elijah see? God's army. And what did Elijah's servants see? For a moment. God's army. And so he asked, he prayed to the Lord to blind them spiritually, and he just led them right to the king in Israel. And then verse 21, he says, when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them? <laughs> and Elijah answers, don't you love this? Because I love this part of it. He says, don't kill them, he answered. Would, would you kill those who have captured, who you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. What a story. All of a sudden, we're looking here. Elijah prays. He's got a problem. He's not the least bit concerned about it. He's going to deal with it with prayer. He prays. God responds. There is an invisible army in the invisible world. And it's the same invisible world and the same invisible army that could be right here, right now. The same way. I don't know who, how God is protecting us in this place tonight. 
I can't see it. But I know that we're protected. Because I know this place was prayed over today before we got here. I know that. And I don't know how this even works. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I just know that it does. And if you have a biblical worldview, you see that God has provided, and there's this army, and there's a mass of people that were way bigger than the evil ones that wanted to kill them. And they were invisible. Wow. They were invisible. You see, so there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes. Amen? In your life. Okay? And yours. And yours. All of our lives. There is a lot that is going on behind the scenes in this invisible world. Amazing. Because this guy was scared stiff. <laughs> Elijah prayed. God had provided an army and then blinded them in answer to Elijah's prayer. So that they were just like this. They just followed him right into the hands of the enemy where they all could have been killed. But Elijah said, oh, don't kill him. Now can you imagine then what happened? Because if you read the rest of the story, when they got back to the king of Aram, the first thing that that guy did after hearing this story was say, I think we're not going to mess with Elijah. There's something going on with him that I think we probably should just back off. I mean, that's a paraphrase, but that's what he said. Yeah. That's what he said. Wow. So. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So that's probably. Mm-hmm. And, and the principle. Knew about that. <laughs> well, and what's the principle? What is the principle and by way of application? Okay. Somebody is struggling in this room with what to do about a Harry Potter thing at a entertainment venue uh, with grandkids. What's the principle? What what? How do we how do we apply the principle that we have learned from this real story that really happened in the invisible world where God provided an incredible army that was way bigger than the one that came to attack and kill Elijah? What do we do? What's the principle? What's the application? Silence is deafening. Pray. 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 Intercessory prayer. What do we do tonight for Lois? Pray. Yes. What do you do when you are struggling? And what else do you do? You trust that he's going to answer. Trust. You sure and ask others to pray for you. Ask. Uh, we're terrible with that. I got this. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. Oh, I'll just pray. And it happens to be a big deal. It blows me away that churches can have prayer groups or, or you can call them whatever you want to call them, however they're titled. And there are people that are just 
Have you ever met these people that are prayer warriors? I know this one lady that all she does, I know a guy too, and what they just pray. They're like like machines, these people are. They, they just pray. They love to pray. To pray. They've been gifted in that area. And, and, they, and they do this a lot. They wait for people to ask them to pray for them. When the principle here is, this guy was about to get killed. And the first thing he did was pray. And then the first thing that God did was answer his prayer. And then the next thing he did was he delivered them. And the next thing he did after that was he allowed him to deliver the army that was going to kill him right to the king of Israel who could have killed them. There's a lot of killing that could have been going on there. And all of it was prevented in the invisible spiritual world because <coughs> Elisha prayed. He prayed. So, biblical truth number one is that there's an invisible world. Now you really believe that, don't you? Okay, so now I want to tell you a story. I have to tell you the story because I don't have permission from somebody that is normally here to tell you the story, but she's told it publicly actually many times. And so I'm going to do the best I can at retelling the story because it blew me away the first time I heard it, and that was Doris. And Doris's husband, Frank Christensen, who happened to be officiating at, at my wedding, he married us, and it's a big reason that I believe that I even came to the Lord in the first place. Because I only, I, where do you go? I'll go to the dude that married us. He's a preacher. He must know something. So that's where I went. You know, I, I, there's a little connection there, right? So anyway, here's the story. This is close to home. Because how do you feel about this story that Elijah is, it, this is a real story that God's word is telling us about that happened 4,000 years ago, out in the desert somewhere in Dotham, and God provided this invisible army, and we're talking about this invisible world. It seems far removed, doesn't it? Frank Christensen was at, a, at an event with another pastor, and, they were, and it, was a, it was a spiritual, uh, not a retreat, but kind of like a seminar kind of a thing. And I may get some of the details messed up here, uh, but that's okay. You'll get, the, you'll get the idea. I know the gist of the story. And it is this. And they, it was at night, and they had to walk back to their hotel room. And it was in a kind of a not good neighborhood, if, if you know what I mean. And so Frank and his pastor friend were walking down the sidewalk. It was kind of late at night, and there were these thug types. And they looked at each other and said, <laughs> because they knew that they were in trouble. Because these guys were bad news and they had bad news written all over them. And they started to approach Frank and this other pastor whose name I can't recall. And they got closer to them and Frank and the pastor stopped and prayed. And these men, there were four or five of them, left. And they just looked at one another, and they continued to walk back to their hotel. Sometime later, I don't know if it was the next day or not, one of those thugs ran across Frank, and Frank recognized him. And Frank immediately had a question. Pastor Frank said, um, what happened? I, you were one of those men on the sidewalk. And he said, yeah. 
says, well, what happened? Why did you guys leave? <laughs> we weren't about to mess with you. There were 20 guys with, with clubs and guns. And, and uh, I mean, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't take on that group. Frank Christian, Doris' husband, prayed in the moment that he was in trouble. And God surrounded them with his mind. With his, I, I'm telling you, I've told that story two or three times. I've heard Doris tell it a couple of times. It still gives me goosebumps to realize that it, there is an invisible war and we are in a spiritual battle and there are two examples with one man that, that I've hugged. I've never hugged Elisha, but I've hugged Frank Christensen. And this man did the same thing because he had a biblical worldview and he knew that his defense was to pray and ask for God's protection. And immediately God put somewhere between 20 and 40 big men in the spiritual realms and opened the eyes of those thugs that were going to beat them and rob them so that they took off because they weren't prepared to deal with that. Is that awesome? See, now that's, that's the real deal. So, is, is, is the principle here seared into our heads that when we're struggling with the things that are in the invisible world, we've got some responsibility, number one, in terms of what we choose to say, think, or do. But in the areas where the enemy is attacking, because everybody in this room is being attacked by the enemy on a regular basis, and the antidote for that is not to run or hide or call the pastor or any of those things, it's immediately to pray. Specifically. Specifically. So do we trust God? Because that's Frank's story. He could have died that night. But this is a man that had a biblical worldview, and he knew the story, and he knew and trusted God, and he knew that all he all he could do, he could, if he would, he's a dead man if he ran. He could pray, and God answered that prayer. I don't know how God's going to answer all of our prayers when we're struggling with something. I don't, have a, I don't have any idea. But I know what He calls us to do. And so, it's powerful to understand that we live in the physical world but Scripture tells us clearly there is an invisible world that is spiritual. And make no mistake about it when you hear somebody say, well, I'm spiritual but not religious. <laughs> they don't have a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> they just don't. Because what's happening here is you're not religious either. You're in relationship. And what you have is a relationship with the living God that gives you everything you need for life and godliness, number one. And it is in His power that you can overcome because it's already been given to you, the victory. But only for the war. You haven't won all the battles yet. And you're going to have them. The battles are going to come. And if that isn't enough reality for you, there is a list of scripture references. 
And if you would like to just take those and read them on your own, it's powerful. Because the first one, you see, it's solidifying what you already know. You don't even have to turn there. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says the, the Son is in the image of the invisible God. For all, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Because created, God created all things. But we know that, don't we? And we're, we are solid in our belief that there is an invisible world. Amen? I would suggest that you read those scriptures because they're all good. What was the first one again? Colossians 6.10 if there is no six. It does? That's what mine says. <laughs> my, my Bible only has four verses. Oh. New Testament according to Bill Burr. I'm brand new. Uh, actually, you might want to correct that. It's actually Colossians 1, 15, and 16. I don't know. Let's see if the next one is right. The next one is right. 15 and 16. Okay, and we'll, what chapter did Colossians 1, 15 and 16. That's the only one that's wrong. Sorry about that. Read those scriptures on your own. We're going to close with this. It's also important to understand that after you read those scriptures, you are going to be more convinced, if you're not already the most convinced that you could be, that in the spiritual realms, Satan and his demons are the ones that are behind unbelief, deception, Fear, false religion, deliberate false teaching, persecution of Christians, godly people. It is Satan in the spiritual realms that is behind it all. So when you understand that we live in in, an invisible world and that your first um, your first shot if you will, when you say, I'm struggling, is that before you even get there, is to understand that and pray. Understand that and pray. Because John, 1 John 5, 19, when we, when we finish reading John, it clearly says that we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The whole world. Duh. <laughs> Right? Okay. So, there's a duh. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. And, Brenda, you are so right on, absolutely. It's like all the time, isn't it? And there's something going on all the time. Not every day, but every hour. Sometimes, yeah. Doesn't it seem like that? Doesn't it seem like that? And the antidote for that is to just be in step with the Spirit, and, and, and when you are, the enemy cannot get in. And so there is there are these challenges, and I don't know how that all works, nor do I know anybody that does know how that all works. Because God only gives us as much as we can handle. I don't mean struggles. I mean knowledge. Because if we could see 
Remember when Paul went to heaven and he said, I can't even put to words what I saw. I will tell you that biblically, and we'll look at these references next week, that if you could see the spiritual beings that are evil, you would be horrified. As much as you would be the armies that put that were put behind Frank Christensen that night and behind Elijah and his servant around the city of Dothan, those are so beautiful they would be indescribable, these spiritual beings. Indescribable. And we cannot see them. And it's incredibly important that we understand these realities because if we don't, it means that we're putting way too little emphasis on the stuff that we talked about originally and you are causing some of your own spiritual downfall by virtue of allowing these things in and you might not have even known it <coughs> games and entertainment and books <coughs> and it goes on and on and on if you are going to have a spiritual worldview or a, a biblical worldview on the spiritual realities of spiritual warfare, you must swing the pendulum to the middle and at least be informed. Renew your minds, Romans 12. It's, it has to start there. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here on Wednesday night. Because we're not, we're not to be afraid of any of this. What we're to be is we're to be informed about it so that we can do something about it. Amen? Next week we're going to take a look at biblical truth number two. We didn't get to tonight because I'm in no hurry. Unless, of course, Jesus comes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll do this someplace else. I'm kind of sweating, so. Well, he's Doris, right. Doris is not here. I know Doris isn't here. That's a, that, is a, that is a good yeah. You better get your Left Behind series out and start reading. Um, but thank you guys. And I, I think it's really, I, I think it's, again, it's just, I've been so impressed. And I will tell you that I have uh, just. <laughs> You could probably guess this, um, that this has been, I have not experienced anything like what I have experienced since, since I ordered these 12 books I shared, I shared with you last week on spiritual warfare and they sat on my desk as I was recovering from being whacked in the head. Uh, and then as I, as I began to come around and I will tell you the last four to five weeks of my life have been like no other four to five consecutive weeks that I've ever had and it's not been horrific it's just been constant and you know when I read that thing and I shared it with you last week that is a little off color but it's, it's uh, I don't know it's just resonated with me and I get up every morning and like I always do and I praise God for just Whew, that's another day. I'm breathing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm breathing. And so I know that, that, that my purpose here is to glorify God. And I know that, trust me, Satan has been on the war path in every conceivable way that I can think of to try to get after me, to create doubt, to create worry, to create all of the things that you might imagine when you are immersed in a study like this, have been going on. And it's only been recently that I've said, cool. Because he's mad. And I can approach it from victory because all I have to do is just start from prayer. And so I only say these things because I've been doing them. Not because I did them. I'm doing what I have been learning. That's all. And it's awesome 
The power of God when you are under attack is unbelievable. Isn't it? So we have to live in that. And that's the point. Live in it. Live in it. Live in it. Don't talk about it. Live in it. Live in the power of God. Because He's given us everything we need. Because the enemy is defeated. Amen? Amen. I want you to know we pray for you every morning because we said Satan's going to attack you. Well, thank you. And you know, I don't know if you've had this experience, but you know, when I was healing and I knew there was a lot of people praying, it's a, it's a, I've never had that experience before. And uh, and uh, there's something about I can't explain it. I don't know if you have ever had the experience when you know that there's a group of people. Uh, you know, I wasn't even able to function properly, but I knew there was a lot of people praying, mm-hmm. and you have that, you have that, that somehow God gives you that peace, that sense spiritually that you know that that's happening, and it is the most amazing, incredible place to be, even in the struggles of going through whatever you're going through, even if you've got a brand new knee, it doesn't matter what your situation mm-hmm. is, and so pray and ask people to intercede. We. We can't be afraid to pray in public. And we have got to be the first one to say, will you pray for me? Yes. Yes. Let's pray for one another. Right here, right now, in the moment. Get on the phone. It doesn't matter how you do it. Pray, pray, pray. Because God is faithful. Amen. Mark, would you close? Bill, when I came up to you, when you were laughing, Taller and moment to grow. That was the first thing I did. Was pray. Thank you. Lord, um, Father, we thank you so much for the victory that we have yes. in Christ. Amen. I want to thank you for um, just the light that you're shedding on the spiritual. Realities, Lord, the the warfare, the battles the, yes. that take place, um, and we do ask you to open our eyes, Lord, to mm-hmm. uh, give each of us the grace and the um, spiritual insight to see and understand, and and to to act on the things that we're learning, Lord, to not just talk about it, to not just think about it, to not just about it, but to do it, Lord, mm-hmm. to to pray, to turn to you, to to rely on you, to um, to let you be that life, and mm-hmm. to let you be um, the God who protects us, and um, and certainly the one who gives us and is our victory. So, mm-hmm. Lord, that's the position that we um, stand in. We thank you for that. We uh, are are beyond words um, appreciative Lord of all that you have done in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. so Lord thanks and we do pray for Bill just pray for uh, each week as he prepares Lord uh, protect him and protect him from uh, from Satan's efforts to undermine his study and to sidetrack him or to um, to draw him away Lord uh, really protect him
through your spirit and through your angels, Lord. And um, thank you just for being together and, and being able to grow in, in these things in Jesus. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.